Hello, welcome to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Here you will find cutting-edge information provided by the best experts in the world so you can learn how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Bruno de Gama is the Brazilian Health Nut in a mission to solve the problems you have when trying to lose weight forever. He is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and a holistic lifestyle coach by the Czech Institute. Don't forget to say hello and sign up to our free newsletter at www.brazilianhealthnet.com. Let's go! Hey, Burn Fats Forever Warrior. How are you doing? I hope that you're having a great, great day. Here is what happened when I go to Brazil, to my hometown in Florianópolis, in the south of Brazil. I stay with my parents and then my mom comes and gives me this big box of chocolates. Highly processed chocolates, the traditional one, full of sugar, full of unhealthy fats, all of that kind of stuff, right? The box sits there and then... In the evening, when I feel a little bit stressed, I look at her, she looks at me, she smiles, I blink, and when I see, I am destroying the whole box. I can't stop eating. It's kind of like, oh my God, I know what I'm doing, but I cannot really control. It's a weird feeling of enjoyment, and at the same time, I'm regretting. I just know that I just went through this binge eating. Does this sound familiar to you? Does this happen to you in your life? If it does, then stick around because you're going to be loving, loving, loving this show so much. It's all about the subject of binge eating, how to have a better control. What's really binge eating? First of all, you're going to be also learning how to develop this plan to overcome overeating because it's going to be happening, right? Furthermore, you're going to be understanding finally what role are refined carbohydrates playing on this binge eating game here. And there is much, much more that my special guest, Glenn Livingstone, is going to be sharing with you. So I'm very excited for this one, for people who want to work on their mindsets. Because knowing what to do is relatively easy to learn, I give you all the tools, but then to put into practice, to address the mindsets and really getting the results, you need to have your mind right. And that's what you're going to be learning today here. Without forgetting, my friend, that we are running an upcoming new free five-day challenge where I'm going to be teaching you, coaching you, helping you towards your burn fat forever journey totally for free to get this it's very simple. Go to brazilianhealthnet.com slash challenge and register me and over, I don't know how many people are there to be honest with you, but there is a lot of people are going to be also supporting people just like yourself who are going through the same struggle. So it's not just me helping you, it's the whole community. You need that community support. I'm telling you, this is the secret to success. So if that's you, if you want to have more energy, look better, make more money because you're going to be more confident about yourself, the way you look, the way you perform, have a better mental clarity. All of those things that are there, are out there for you, but you're not having right now, then you're going to be loving this five-day free challenge. Like I told you before, very easy to register. Go to brazilianhealthnuts.com is last challenge and put your email, your name there. I don't even know if you 
have to put your name, to be honest with you, but I'm going to be seeing you on the other side. I'm so excited if you join us. In the meantime, it's time to listen to Glenn Livingstone. He's going to be teaching all about binge eating. I hope that you love this one as much as I did. Enjoy it. All right. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Glenn. I appreciate your time. Can you first introduce yourself? Who is Glenn Livingstone? Well, I'm excited to be here also, Bruno. I was looking forward to this and I'm sure you're going to get a different answer if you ask my mom than if you ask me. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a psychologist first and foremost. I've, I've had a long and varied career. I, I don't have kids and I've never commuted, so I've been able to do a lot of things. Um, but I'm a psychologist first and foremost, and I'm from a family of 17 counselors and therapists and psychiatrists and social workers. And my mom and my dad and my sister and my uncle and my grandparents and my cousins, it's, it's really kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, crazy. if you want to make the doc- it's kind of crazy. <laughs> if, if you want to make the Dr. Livingston, I presume, joke, I, I let everybody do that once. Okay. Um, so I'm a psychologist first and foremost, and I'm also someone who really struggled with binge eating. I, I had what mm-hmm. you would have called um, exercise bulimia. So I'm, I'm six foot four and fairly muscular. And I discovered early on that if I worked out for two or three hours a day, that I could eat whatever I wanted to. Mm. And what happened to me was that as I got into graduate school and I started seeing patients and I was married and I just had all these responsibilities, I didn't have time to work out two or three hours a day. As a matter of fact, I could only work out a couple of times a week for maybe 45 minutes. But I couldn't stop thinking about food and I kept eating more or less the way I was eating and I got fatter and fatter and fatter. And more than that, it was disturbing to me because it's it's really important to me to be a psychologist. I, I you know, when, when I was a little boy, I heard my dad on the radio and I asked my mom, why is my dad on the radio and what does he do for a living? And she said, well, your dad makes people happy when they're sad and he's trying to help more people. Mm-hmm. And in a nutshell, that's who I am. That's my identity. I, I really want to help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't be 100% present. I'd be, I'd be sitting there with couples after an affair and trying to trying to help them overcome it. And I'd be thinking about, well, when can I go eat a whole pizza? Or when can I go to the deli and dislodge my jaw and empty the whole delicatessen into it? And that really bothered me. So between the health problems and the, um, and the kind of integrity, psychological problems I was having, I really felt like I had to fix this. But because... I'm a psychologist first and foremost, and I come from such a psychologically oriented family. I focused entirely on psychology to try to work it out. So I, I went to see some of the best psychologists in New York. Um, I, I had really good contacts naturally, and so I tried to do that. I went to Overeaters Anonymous for a couple of years. I went to a psychiatrist, tried taking some medication. I went to nutritionists, and and I learned a lot from all of those different places. That none of them really solved the problem. So, matter of fact, I even, because in my second career, I was a corporate consultant and I had... Um, yeah, that's I, what I was going to ask you later, later here. I saw in your bio that you used to work in the food industry, right? Well, I've, I've done millions of dollars. I've, uh, I, yeah. I, together with my ex-wife, we, we, did, we did millions of dollars of um, consulting for big food, big pharma. I'm, I'm not really proud of it anymore. Um, so, I'm, I'm very familiar with all the money that goes into pushing our revolutionary buttons. We'll talk about that more a little later. Yeah. But I, the thing is that I knew how to conduct these studies. I knew how to, I, I was a 
marketing and research consultant, and I knew how to conduct these really large studies. And I organized this incredibly massive study online. And I, this was back in the days when it was cheap to get people to come to your website through advertising. Mm -hmm. And over the course of about two and a half years, I think it was, I got 40,000 people to come to my site and tell me what foods they had trouble controlling. You know, what if they started, they had felt like they couldn't stop. And I had them take personality tests and tell me things about themselves personally. And then we did all these fancy statistics and we, we found some really interesting things. We can talk about that more if you want to. Um, for, for example, I discovered that people who struggle with chocolate, like I do, like, you know, my sister, she can take out two squares from a neatly folded up pack in her purse. She right. has two squares of chocolate. It takes her about an hour to eat them. And then she neatly folds it up and she puts it all the way back in and she'll have the rest on Saturday. She'll have another two squares on Saturday. Yeah. And I don't know I don't know what's wrong with that woman, but that's just not me. If, if that's I have- not me neither. I was going to tell this a little later here, my personal story. But let me tell you right now, I am just like that, this kind of person. If I have this little chocolate, I just have to finish the whole thing if it's in front of me. Actually, when I go to Brazil, my mom usually gives me this box of chocolates. And it's not the healthiest quality chocolate it's it's very commercial and the box is right there in front of me and i and i think to myself let me just have one here and then when i when i realize i'm eating almost the whole box it's like crazy it's kind of like that i cannot control but let me just back it up here something that you touch when you're talking about your personal story you said that you used to be like uh, exercise bulimia is that the the name oh yeah so i i I can't get myself to throw up. I could never do that, but I could exercise off the calories. Okay. So, and then so, what? Sorry. And then what? What change that in your life when you starting to gain weight? Because you said so before. You're just like exercising to burn all these calories, and then you got busy with your life, and you could not do this anymore. And then you start to gain weight. Is that what happened? That's what happened. You know, I it was. It's also that I got older, and my metabolism, my metabolism wasn't quite as good as when I was. Uh, teenager or a guy in my 20s um but that's really what happened yeah i i had the responsibilities of adult life and i couldn't um couldn't spend three hours in the gym every day so which in retrospect spending three hours in the gym was kind of a waste of time if i was not going to be a professional bodybuilder i mean it was it was fun but um it's kind of a waste of time Yeah, it's not very realistic for a lot of people who are listening right now. And that's what we really do here on this show. It's like we teach people how to lose weight, but without having to count calories or, like I say, suffering at the gym. You know, not having to have a part-time job at the gym and spending hours and hours there just to burn all the calories. Anyways, uh, Glenn, I would like to go back here and touch into this the food industry. What's some things that you saw there that you would like here to share with us before we get into the topic of today, which is binge eating, that I'm very excited to go deep into that. Well, you know, there's an awful lot of money in, in behind putting the greatest number of calories in the smallest space and um, making it appear healthy by spending millions of dollars on packaging research and additives and excitotoxins and making it making it addictive with sugar fat salt oil chemicals mm-hmm. um there's a lot of money in that and then there are something like seven thousand messages about food that are beamed at us 
over the television and radio every year, and virtually none of them are about fruit and vegetables, right? Um, mm. e even though every major health organization suggests that we load up more on fruit and vegetables to, to improve our, our health. Um, th there's a lot of money in that. So th there are billions of dollars coming at us from the food industry to push those evolutionary buttons in our lizard brain. And I want to talk a little more about the structure of the brain later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you combine that with the addiction treatment industry saying that overeating is a disease, that they're, you know, it's kind of a chronic, progressive, mysterious disease, and you're powerless to resist. The best you can do is abstain one day at a time. Don't make hard and fast rules. Um, you know, and, and so basically... You've got you've got billions of dollars and thousands of messages coming at you um, with things that are really designed to fool you into thinking that they're healthy, and then you've got the addiction treatment industry, which has totally inculcated our culture without evidence, saying that you can't resist, you're powerless to resist, and so is it any wonder that the majority of the world struggles with this problem, particularly in America, but. Is it any wonder yeah, that that's that, the case? Yeah, that's crazy. It's totally, yeah, makes totally sense here when you start to look. And I always tell people, look where the money is coming from. And you, there is a lot of answers, in, not just into our nutrition, into our health, but everything around us, every area of life. Follow the money, right? So, Glenn, let's start here talking about binge eating and I think the first question has to be that has to be said is like what is really binge eating like we when it comes to your the first thing that comes to your mind like when somebody asks this. Well, okay, so from this point forward, I'm going to talk about my opinion rather than the standards of care in my profession. So I'm I'm going to switch from being a psychologist to being a coach and an educator because I have some slightly different opinions than Please, my profession. Yes. Okay, um, I believe that binge eating is eating beyond your own best judgment. When, when you have made yourself a really clear plan, when you were of sound mind and you were interested enough and motivated enough to take the time to think out what is a healthy way to eat. I mean, most people, by the time they're listening to a show like this, have a pretty good idea about what a healthy way to eat for them would be. And mm -hmm. the bigger problem is getting themselves to stick to it. And that's where you have all the people on Monday morning making these, these commitments and then Monday afternoon changing their mind. But binge eating is when you change your mind. It's, it's one bite away from your carefully constructed plan. And, and a lot of people say that that's an overly rigid definition. But they, and, and that the problem is that if people think that they're having a binge, then they're going to have to binge more. But I, I think that's disordered thinking in and of itself. Because if you... If you accidentally chip a tooth, you're not going to go grab a hammer to bang the rest of them out. If you accidentally yeah. chip a tooth, you're going to recognize you chipped a tooth and you're going to go take better care of your teeth. And mm -hmm. if you have a really carefully defined plan and you define a binge as one step off that plan, it's kind of like you're an archer, like you're a professional archer and you're aiming for a target bullseye that you can actually see. Um, and because you can see the bullseye, you can also you can also sense when the aim is moving away from the bullseye. But when people say, well, don't, don't live with that kind of clarity, go with guidelines instead of rules. Um, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of rules as opposed to guidelines. Then, mm -hmm. then what, what they're, what they're doing is they're saying, 
don't really look at the bullseye. Don't, you know, just aim kind of sort of in the direction of the target. Put a little fuzzy stuff in the bullseye because you don't want to be too upset if you miss the bullseye. And if you miss the bullseye, then you're going to want to just go all the way off the target. So it's better not even to look at the bullseye. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I think that I would rather say I will never have chocolate again. Or I'd rather say I will never eat chocolate during the week again. Or I'll only have chocolate during social events again. I would rather say that than say, well, I'm going to kind of sort of try to avoid chocolate most of the time because what's most of the mm-hmm. time? How, how do you know what most of the time? So, got you, got you. So you're kind of like giving clear rules to your, like your, your mind, like creating rules around your behavior. Is that what's, what you're like proponing here? Well, I'm a proponent, I'm pro- I'm a proponent of that, but it's, for, but it's for a very specific purpose. And I, I, don't want, I don't want to take this in a direction you don't want to go. So tell, tell me if you want me to go more into that. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I'm I'm so fascinated here and I listen to the to this way of thinking. Just like there are so many opinions about this, especially binge eating. It's it's very common. I was asking somebody on my Facebook today. Hey, I'm I'm interviewing like an expert on binge eating. Send me some questions, and you know some people are just like, oh, ask this, ask that. But so pe- people have so many different opinions. Let me ask you this. So is binge eating like if I'm eating like for example a lot of Bacon and eggs, for example, this is something that I really like. And sometimes I eat a lot of those things. Can this also be considered like a binge eating? Well, in, in my view of the world and the system that I've constructed, um, I mean, I, I, I personally don't think those, that's healthy, but in other views of the world, people do think that's healthy. And mm-hmm. my, my philosophy is diet agnostic. So if you, if you, with your best intellectual evaluation... If you sit down for an afternoon and you think, I want to allow myself to have, you know, 12 eggs and a pound of bacon, and that's part of my diet and I want that, then I wouldn't define that as a binge. I, I, would, I would define as a binge the 13th egg or the, you know, one ounce over the one pound of bacon. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think that people have a right and a responsibility to own their diet for themselves. I mean, it, it, There's a lot of information out there. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there also. But I think we all kind of have a responsibility to study what we will, decide how we want to eat, and then just make sure that it's really clear to us what is on the diet and what's off the diet, and then consider what's off the diet to be a binge. That's that's the way that I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you really recognize if I am a binge eater right now? Like I'm a little confused. Oh, sometimes I do this, sometimes I don't, and... I don't know if this is really changing the way I'm behaving with my, my food and all of that. Because I remember when I was in Brazil, um, there, we have these restaurants. It's a, like a buffet. It's a buffet style where you can go, you pay like a flat fee. You pay whatever, $20, and you can eat as much as you can. Like, you know, can keep repeating, repeating as many times as you want. And I remember I was just watching people, and we have this truck drivers. So truck drivers, they are in the road all the time, so they don't really have much time. So what they would do is they would come to the restaurant and then they would just eat as much as they could because, well, they didn't have much time and they, they want to take advantage of the offer of the restaurant as well. So is this considered to be like a binge eating or it's more just because this person, well, he he's consciously about the decision actually that he's making? How do you see this situation? If you are not accomplishing the health and fitness goals 
that you want to accomplish, health, fitness, and, and mental goals that you want to accomplish because food is interfering, because your food behavior is interfering, and only you can decide that, then, mm-hmm. then you have a binging problem. I, I don't think that binge eating is really for the health professional to diagnose. I don't think it's like going to a doctor and the doctor says, yes, you have binge eating, and if you take this pill, you're going to be better. I think it's for the individual to diagnose of themselves about whether their eating is getting in the way of them accomplishing their goals. And if it is, what do they want to do about it? Yeah, absolutely. And what about, so for example, going back to my, my own case when I was eating this chocolate and I knew that I was like, you know, I should not be doing this because I'm not going to be feeling very well once I finish this whole box of chocolate, right? I knew that, but I could not stop. Can the person stop uh, like halfway through it? Like, let's say like how uh, I'm, I'm on the process, I'm eating almost like I, I see it's coming, right? It's coming more and more, but I, oh, I want to stop. How would you stop and uh, like some, give some tips here for myself here? I can tell you how to stop midway through. Okay. Um, you have to understand the, the kind of neurological structure of a binge. There are, there's three parts of the brain, and I'm, I'm going to bastardize this somewhat, so if there's a neurologist on the line, he'll take me to task, or she will take me to task, but basically it works like this. There's the lizard brain that evolved hundreds of millions of years ago, and when the lizard brain sees something in the environment, it thinks, do I eat it, do I mate with it, or do I kill it? Do I eat it, do I mate with it, or do I kill it? The lizard brain has no regard for um, relationships or tribe or family. It's, it's just eat, mate, or kill. That's the part of the brain that's activated during an addictive response. The mammalian brain is, uh, is the part which evolved, which made relationships and, and tribe and family more important. And it, it evolved above the lizard brain with the ability to inhibit its impulses so that an evaluation could be made about whether this was in the best interest of the tribe and the family. So now you do have, you know, love and family and relationships. But then on top Mm -hmm. of that, there's the neocortex. This is really the human brain, which has a much stronger inhibitory ability. um, And that's where aspirations and goals and things like creativity and music and the concept of love and soul Mm -hmm. and spirituality, that's where that all lives. So here's the problem. What most, peop- what, what most of our culture is telling us to do if we're having trouble with binge eating is to love ourselves more. But the problem is that at the moment of impulse, the lizard brain has been activated and it's almost like the neocortex and the mammalian brain have disappeared. And what you need to do is cultivate a sense of, it's not really... It's not like loving your inner wounded child back to hell. It's more like capturing and caging a rabid animal. Mm-hmm. A- and so the attitude you need to have, and you can only do this if you have very clear rules, uh, so that you know that it's definitely the lizard brain operating. The attitude you want, you want to have is more like an alpha wolf that's going to intimidate a challenger back to its rightful position in the pack. So what's really happening here is the lizard brain is fighting for dominance. And it's saying, you know, screw your goals, screw your relationships, screw all your aspirations, screw your spirituality. Um, I want chocolate and I'm going to eat it all. And you need to be like an alpha wolf and say, you know, 
sh- shut the f up and mm. you kind of have, have a have a feeling of disgust for this thing. You don't need to love yourself more at those times. You need to dominate the lizard brain. Um, and so I, I teach people to come up with a name for the lizard brain. I happen to call my lizard brain my my inner pig. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I and I call the things that it squeals for. I, I call it pig slop. And I don't I don't eat pig slop. And I don't let farm animals tell me what to do. And so if if I make if I make a line in the sand that says I will never eat chocolate again, so then chocolate is pig slop. Any little voice in my head that says well, who cares? You know, ch- chocolate comes from cocoa beans, and cocoa beans from come from a plant, and a plant is a vegetable, so therefore chocolate is a vegetable. That's all pig squeal. That's that's the pig squealing, and I don't have to listen to that. Some people don't like calling it a pig. Some people like calling it their you know inner bitch. Some people call it their inner slacker. Whatever you want to call it, but it's it's not a cute pet. It's a it's kind of a sociopathic. Um, it's, it's a sociopathic survival drive gone wrong, which doesn't care for your well-being or any, anybody else's. And mm-hmm. so the attitude you so, want to... Sorry, let me just ask you this quick here. So do you, do, do you see any difference between, let's say, eating a chocolate bar full of sugar and vegetable oils compared to eating a chocolate bar made from like just raw ingredients, like uh, just cacao, let's say, and some some stevia something 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 like that for example do you see any difference between eating those like those two foods well i i personally do see a difference um for me i don't do well with any type of stimulants but I've, i have a lot of clients who do um but i i'm not a i'm i'm not for or against any particular food i mean okay. I, i have very strong opinions i mean i i i over the years of solving my own food problem and you know, evolving towards more naturally healthy, um, simplistic foods. I, I, I kind of gravitated towards whole, like a whole foods plant-based diet and, you know, mostly raw fr- fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. That's, that's how I personally mm-hmm. eat. But I think that, you know, some people, for some people, chocolate is a lovely thing and they feel better when it's a cleaner version of chocolate and they don't have a problem with the stimulants and cacao or anything like that. And so I think that's fine. I think that's perfectly okay. fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, just trying to to put myself on this case here because um, I I like chocolate. It's not, but I don't. I try to make my own chocolate bar, for example. That's what I've been doing nowadays, and it helps also in terms of the like. Uh, I, I feel the difference. I can't stop. That feels more satiated when comparing to the chocolate that my mom gives to me when I'm in Brazil that I told you here. So. Let me ask you this. So what, what is the role that refined carbohydrates are playing on this binge eating game here? Well, you know, we, we didn't have pasta and bread and, you know, soda on the savanna. It's not something we naturally evolved with. And it, it produces a kind of high, like it artificially stimulates our pleasure centers. And then 18 minutes later, there's a crash. And to stave off that crash, our body craves more sugar, which you can stave off further by having more refined carbohydrates and then crash again or eat more. And so that that's why refined carbohydrates can can perpetuate the the craving. Now some people want to enjoy them anyway. Some people mm-hmm. say, well, I have the right to live fast and die young if I want to and I I think that we fought wars to protect our freedom in this country, freedom of choice. And I, 
I would fight for people's right to have refined carbohydrates if they really want them, even though I personally think it's stupid. Um, okay. But, but yeah, I think refined carbohydrates, it, they create the cravings, and I think none is a lot easier than sometimes. And I, I work with a lot of people who try 8,000 different rules to figure out, you know, how can I just have some? And then eventually they say, I'm not going to have any, and they, they feel yeah. a lot better. So Yeah, yeah, I, I, I truly believe this has to be coming from the individual here to understand his own physiology, his own mental game here to decide, well, I am the kind of person who can, like your friend said, just have a little bit of a chocolate and put it away and be fine with that. And some people can't, so we have to make the rules, like you're saying here, according to the individual. I think this is so important. So how do we develop this plan here? Let's get into more some strategy to develop a plan to somebody who is struggling with binge eating but who wants to get out of the zone. Well, there are four types of rules, um, and this is you can create it in any way you want to as long as they're very clear rules and outside observers would agree whether you were on or off of them. Um, but I give people a basic structure of, of nevers, always, conditionals, and unrestricteds. It's just a really easy way to think of different buckets. And at the end of the interview, I can tell you where I can, people can download some free yeah, starter templates. Absolutely. Um, so, so nevers are things like I'll never have chocolate again. I'll, I'll never, um, I will never have seconds without breathing for 60 seconds again. Something like that. Okay. Uh, always are things like I'll always have six servings of fruit and vegetables every day. I'll always start my day with a glass of water. I will always, you know, blend up a half pound of leafy green vegetables, you know, after dinner and drink it down to help me get enough, you know, salad, Wh whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Conditionals are things like I will only ever have pretzels again in a ma major league baseball game or I, um, I will only have chocolate on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And unrestricted are just things that it's good to specify so you know that you're not going to starve. You know, I can have as many unsauced vegetables as I want. I can drink as much water as I want. I can eat as many um, beans as I want. What, whatever you can have un unrestricted in yeah. your personal I life. love it. I love that. Hey, Burned Fat Forever Warrior. I hope that you are enjoying the show. Just a quick break here because I want to offer something very, very special. I want to invite you to my free five-day health challenge that's coming up. All you have to do is just go to brazilianhealthnuts.com slash challenge and register for free right now. During this five-day, I'm going to be personally coaching you with the help of hundreds of other people who are also in the challenge and gonna give you the whole support to start your health journey. Burning more fat, feeling better, having more energy, just becoming this amazing human being, this healthiest version of yourself that I know that you want to have in your life. So don't procrastinate, take action, and just join us on brazilianhealthnuts.com slash challenge. And I will see you there, All right? So let's get back to the show right now. Enjoy it. Awesome. I love this. I actually, I'm going to steal this for my, my, for my personal coaching here. Thank you so much. So, Glenn, you have this audio lesson on your website. It's called The Big Why Technique for Healthy Eating Motivation. Can you just summarize a little bit of this technique here for us? Well, it stems from something that I learned from Janine Roth, which was that there are two sides of deprivation, and I call this the deprivation trap. Often your pig will say, if you 
if you say you're never going to have chocolate again, you're going to be way too deprived. First of all, you, I know you're never going to do that because you don't know what's going to happen in the future and all these, what about holidays? What about your Aunt Ethel's birthday? What about, you know, hanging out with your sister? You can't do that, but you're going to be so deprived. You love chocolate, and you're really never going to have it again. Why would you give up so much deprivation? But what Janine Roth points out was that there's also the deprivation of not giving up chocolate. Because if you think about your life a year from now, if you gave up chocolate, then most people who had a chocolate problem, and again, chocolate is fine for some people, most people who had a chocolate problem would say something like, well, I'd probably be 10 or 20 pounds thinner, and I'd have more energy, and I'd, it would be calmer energy, and I'd get more done, and I could fit into that dress again, and I would be more present with my husband or my partner, and I would be, um, you know, I'd be a better role model for my kids, and I would, because I had more energy, I would be doing better at work, and maybe I would be able to go out more because I'd be thinner, and I wouldn't be embarrassed, and I could go hiking with the kids, and if you really flesh out the entirety of what your life might look like a year from now, then you, you see what the pig is depriving you of by saying that you can't give this up. And if you take that and really construct your big why, and the big why is to achieve that life one year from now, then and then you go back to your pig and say, okay, now what were your reasons again? All the pig's reasons are going to seem pretty pathetic. Mm. And, and so the idea is that you're not only... You're not only drawing these hard lines in the sand, but you're also kind of working on the, um, the the ability to see the future and remembering why you're doing this. And then I have people come up with a statement and try to write it down every day or read it out loud. Or I personally listen to it on my MP3 player um, when I'm walking around. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Glenn, uh, I was thinking right now about my friend in Brazil. Her name is Maria. And I remember, um, I don't live in Brazil anymore, but I still go back and I talk to Maria and she is still like, you know, on the, her fight, fighting with her health, like she's trying to improve. And when I was in Brazil, I remember listening to Maria all the time. She would like screw up like on her diet, let's say, have something that she, supposedly she, she should not have, right? And then she would say like, ah, forget about it. I'm going to be starting Monday. So there is always like this, I start Monday, I start Monday my diet, whatever it is. How do we go about these people who know what to, to do, but they screw it up and they, they just like, oh, they keep postponing for Monday? Well, the only time you can eat healthy is now. And so I suggest to people that they always use the present moment to eat healthy and that they understand the idea that I'll start tomorrow, that that's, that's your lizard brain talking, that, that's pig squeal in and of itself. Yeah. And so there's no trick to it. There's no technique for starting today instead of tomorrow. You just start right now. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and, you, and you tell your pig that the last bite of pig slop that it had was its very last one, even if it was five seconds ago. Okay. You always use the present moment to be healthy. Oh. That's, that's what I suggest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Start to connect, connect with the present moment more. Definitely, that's something that uh, it's difficult to do, but it's very important nowadays, especially with all these distractions out there that's pulling our attention from. So are you familiar, Glenn, with the work from Brian Wonsink? I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. M- yes. Mindless Eating? Yeah. Yes, as a matter of fact, um, my ex-wife interviewed him once for an old project. Mm-hmm. I am familiar with his work. Yeah, I, I just uh, I loved that book. I, I read probably four years ago, the, the first one, Mindless Eating. He has a new one. And 
and it's something that I always apply in my own life and my client's life, everybody who I can talk to about this, because this is so important nowadays. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of our environments in determining the action that, that we're going to be taking in our lives? Well, the um, this has to do with the... Okay. There are hundreds of food decisions that you make every day. And a lot of my work is suggesting that what you want to do is eliminate those decisions that could be troublesome. And if you've really eliminated them, then some of this, um, some of this doesn't come into play as much. But the kinds of things that Brian figured out were that, you know, people will eat what's put in front of them. If there's a bigger bowl, they'll eat more. Yeah. If the, if the candy is in a drawer, as opposed to on the ball on the counter, people will eat more. Um, I'm forgetting some of the other findings. I, I know he's got a whole... Yeah, there is one that I, I think is fascinating, is the one the experimentation with the people who are like having dinner or like a lunch in a round table, and the soup, the ball soup, keeps, yeah, yeah, keeps yeah. going back <laughs> up because there is a straw underneath and people don't realize, so they just keep eating more and more because it's always kind of like food, right? So at the end of the, the day, let's put this way, they, they end up eating much more, like 30 Forty percent more than they they would have done, but because they didn't realize, right? So it's it's just like mindless eating on itself, right there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Environment. So that, that that was it. That was I remember laughing at the. It was a very clever experimental design. It makes a very strong point. Yeah. We'll, we'll eat what's in front of us, and we're we're looking for these external cues that it's time to stop eating. You know, are other people stopping eating? Is the bowl still full or not? Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to really paying attention to uh, our internal cues and, and or or just plain having rules about what we believe is a good portion. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, last topic here before I ask you like some uh, final questions. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion. This is something that I haven't talked on the show at all about anorexia and bulimia. Can you just kind of like give your, your best tips here for people who are struggling with that? Well, um, I know it's a hard I question. Will, <laughs> it's a, it's a, well, no, no, no. I, I, I will with the caveat that I am. Um, those can be even more dangerous than than binge eating, yeah. and um, I don't. I didn't really develop this technique to help anorexic and bulimics. I do have people who who use this method for that. I always insist that they see a, a licensed psychologist locally. As well, because there are a lot of complications that can occur. Um, but essentially, what we do with them is we we usually define a more rigid plan. Usually, usually a much more rigid and very regular plan, which doesn't allow them to become too hungry, which um, defines specifically what a meal is and how much time there is between it. And we, um, you know, we work in the same way, trying to get them to hear the pig's voice the pig will say things that it doesn't say to other people like um mm. with anorexics you'll hear their pig saying you don't you don't deserve to eat right you, you know you 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 you've been bad this is your punishment you can't eat um or, or you know they they can't make you eat so there's kind of a there's a shame and a power struggle that that um they engage with with their pig, and they have to learn to ignore the pig when it when it says those things. They have to 
learn to recognize it and ignore it when it says it. So I, I mean, I've had some success, but I, I don't like to represent that this is really a technique for um, anorexics and bulimics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, it's a big topic. Just wanted to hear your opinion quickly. Glenn, is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you think we should share here with the audience related to binge eating and just like becoming the, this healthiest version of themselves? Well, I, I've got a whole bunch of free stuff to prepare prepared for them that they can download and study this a little more if they want to. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So let let us know where people can find you. What's uh, something that you are working on? What's next for you? And all of that good stuff. Well. Um, first of all, the electronic versions of the book for Kindle and Nook or PDF are available for free on my website. So if you go to neverbingeagain.com and you click on the free reader bonuses, sign up for those. That'll get you to the latest versions of the Kindle or the Nook or the PDF. What you also get when you do that are a set of recorded full-length coaching sessions. And the reason that's important is that we've talked a lot in theory about this, but it, it's much different to hear people implement it in practice and what they go through and everything like that. And then there's a set of food plan start dates and there, there's actually a recording to help people um, in the middle of a binge or to restore their confidence after a binge or to deal with anxiety that they're going to binge soon. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all there. Uh, Neverbingeagain.com. Awesome. Never Click the big free red button. Awesome. Never bingeeatingagain.com is that correct? Neverbingeagain.com Neverbingeagain.com Also, I'm going to make sure to post also on, on the post, the, the notes for the show. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Glenn, uh, for being here on the show with us. I appreciate your time and yeah, see you again. I'll see you again, Bruno. It was great. Thanks for listening to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Go to www.brazilianhealthnut.com for much more information about how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Hasta luego!